0: Good morning again. It is Friday, July the 23rd. There's a lot going on in the world. Let's be lifting up our prayers to the Lord our God in the midst of all kinds of headline news of the day. I call it praying the news if you are um, just interested in being equipped to recognize that God's perspective on what is happening in your own life along the path that you will be walking today. And then along the path that every other person in the world today will be walking. Like, right, there's a matter of perspective related to all of this. It's going to be part of the conversation that we're having this morning. Is my perspective on what is happening in this moment, in this hour, in my day, in my life, is it the perspective of the Father in all of that? Um, but there's a lot of folks right now who are simply dealing with air quality and air, air quality alerts, like it's like literally hard to br- breathe or there's a haze over the place you are. So I want you to, if that's where you like, literally, you're, you're experiencing that right now, um, I want you to say to yourself, well, you know what, where there's smoke, there's fire. And then I want you to ask yourself, what do I know about fire in the Bible? I know about God being a consuming fire? Why am I, and why is Carmen talking about this? Well, because there are opportunities every day in the most seemingly random, um, unconnected events for you and I to bring God back into the conversation. Um, Does God send fire? Sometimes. Is God a consuming fire? Uh, Yeah. According to Deuteronomy 4.24, um, what stories do I know about fire in the Bible? Do I know stories about fire being rained down from heaven? Um, yeah, um, I do. Do I know uh, about what God says in terms of, you know, he's not going to send a flood, but is he going to send a fire? Is God always, you know, present in the fire? Well, no, no. Um, we have passages of scripture and stories about that as well. So don't be quick to interpret everything right? As, oh, this is God's wrath. upon No, no. Sometimes that what we're dealing with is the consequence of how far we live from Eden. Um, And when I say how far, I don't mean like, you know, you live halfway around the world from uh, the Tigris River. What I mean is we live a long way from Eden. We live generations from God's beautiful, perfect created order. And so there are things that happen, like forest fires and then fires that move beyond the forest, or because we've moved into the forest, fires that burn down our houses. And when we talk about these things, we have to be careful because the people who are experiencing these devastating realities, obviously we need to be present. We need to be praying. We need to be active. We need to have genuine compassion and concern. We need to help them rebuild their lives, maybe not back in the forest. I mean, you know, there's all kinds of conversations to take place. There are also the conversations where we bring the eternal questions to bear because you can't get away from the word fire um, if you're going to have a conversation about the way Jesus describes um, hell. And so the outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, there there's also fire. And so let's not be afraid to have the biblical conversations and let's not be afraid to have those um, conversations creatively. Let's not be afraid to talk about how Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. Exodus 19. Let's not be afraid to point to Exodus chapter 40 for the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day and fire on it by night. Let's not be afraid to talk about how the people of God have been led um, by a column of fire, right? There was this smoke, and, and the smoke shrouded them and hid them from others. I mean, on and on and on and on and on. So maybe do a, uh, if you can't go outside because of the smoky haze covering where you are, spend your day indoors and make a study of uh, fire in the Bible. There you go. It's an encouragement this morning. Paul Acey from uh, Focus on the Families Plugged In is up next. We'll be right back. he joins us from focus on the families plugged in paul welcome back thank you so much for having me absolutely all right let's lead off with some um movie reviews this is one of the things we just like to do every friday catch up on what's coming out on the big screen and well frankly increasingly on small screens so let's start with uh snake eyes what do i need to know about snake eyes
2: well, what I'd like you to know is that I just got out of Snake Eyes. Not not twelve hours ago, actually. I just finished watching it and finished writing the review. Um, it is a, a an origin story, essentially, for one of the most popular figures in literally figures in the GI Joe uh, cinematic universe. Obviously, it's been a toy since since I was a little kid. Um, it, it, he's he's this enigmatic. Secretive guy, no one really knows his name, his background, anything like that in the whole g i Joe universe until uh this movie, which gives you sort of an indication of who he is and why he became the person that he became and uh, it 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 leads with his father dying in front of his eyes, it pushes him into this place of revenge where he 's trying to to get the killer of his dad um, and and eventually pushes him to this to this secretive clan in japan where he learns a great deal about himself a great deal about honor and of duty and of sacrifice and it's sort of a it really is an origin story where where snake eyes we see was sort of teetering on the edge of bad and good and becomes at the end this is probably no spoiler for anybody who's familiar with gi joe became a good guy um this movie has some good messages to it but man is it violent it is really violent the corpses just pile up like cordwood as the saying goes uh it is PG13 um, so it is at sort of a level that, that parents could at least consider taking their kids to, but there is a lot of violence. It's not particularly bloody. Um, it's, it's more in the tone of, of, of a superhero world, but you still have to be aware that, man, there are a lot of bodies and, and some issues to be aware of. So, so that would be my quick take on on Snake Eyes.
0: So it gives us an opportunity. I mean, I just think if you're listening right now and you're like, where can I go with that with maybe my, my teenager um, in terms of conversation? I always think that having conversations about our origin story um, where and, and then hero conversations, obviously the hero or the heroic narrative anytime you see it used in any story um, is somehow in some way pointing to Jesus. Um, that's really the only real heroic narrative out there. So when you talk about the superhero world, you know, Jesus is genuinely the ultimate superhero and the and the opportunity for um us to say, Hey, you know, there there actually is really a guy who saved the whole world. Um so it gives you um, an opportunity to talk about redemption. Okay. Troll Hunters, Rise of the Titans. Dun dun, dun
2: Yes, this is a movie that you can find on Netflix, and and it's actually the the movie uh, conclusion of three separate series. Uh, This this whole series, it was called Tales of Arcadia, is sort of the the umbrella term for all these Netflix series that sort of roll out the story of the troll hunter, a teenager named Jim and and all of his various friends. Um, This time, it really does put the capper on the whole saga. Uh, Jim is faced with trying to deal with these, these demigods who are raising titans, these gigantic nature-based creatures. When you were talking about fire, that was the first thing that jumped to mind was the fiery uh, titan in this movie to destroy the world. They want to destroy the world and make it anew, uh, but without humans, because it was us humans who who messed it all up. So Jim has to deal with this new threat to to humanity, and he gathers all of his his friends to help him save the world. Um, There's trolls, there's wizards, there's aliens, and there's just normal, everyday human beings, too. Um, This is not the easiest show. If you're not familiar with the the Troll Hunters universe— You might need like one of those crib sheets just to keep track of all the characters and try to figure out (laughs) who they all are and where they sort of fit. Um, That would have been very helpful to me, frankly, (laughs) when I was watching this. Um, The other thing to be aware of, even though this movie is targeted directly at, at elementary age school kids, there is a lot of darkness here. There's a lot of of spiritual darkness. You see people cast spells. The the uh the folks who cast the spells can feel really creepy and scary. Um so even though this is this is technically a TV-Y7 movie, which is essentially close to a G or a PG rated uh movie, um it feels darker to me and it feels more violent to me. And there are definitely issues when you're talking about sort of that spiritual realm. There are definitely areas that the parents would want to walk to watch this with their kids and walk through it afterwards. And then a little bit of conversation because there's there's definitely some issues here. If that's the choice that you want to make for your viewing pleasure.
0: All right, Paul Acy and I are going to return in just a moment. There are tons of reviews posted that you ought to be reading at PluggedIn.com. We'll be right back. Okay, will you be watching the Olympics this year uh, in Tokyo? If so, how will you be watching the Olympics. What events will you be watching, and will you be watching them live? These are some of the questions. Um I, I can't really imagine that not watching it. Like it feels like you should be watching it live. Like we should all be cheering together for Simone Biles. There's that she sticks her landing every time she runs toward the vault or does a floor performance. Like Simone Biles. I mean, I, I. I'm sure there are other people competing in the Olympics this year, but, you know, like, I really want to see her do her thing. If I want to watch her live, I have to do so on a streaming service called NBC Universal Peacock. It's not as if I can just click on the TV anymore and actually watch the Olympics.
2: It's really kind of crazy, and it's an illustration of how the TV world has changed, right? This is not something new. We know that television is much different than it was even 10 years ago, and that has definitely changed with the proliferation of all these streaming services, Peacock, NBC's own streaming service is is one of the lesser subscribed to uh, streaming services. About 14 million monthly users use it. So NBC is really looking forward to the Olympics because they feel like the Olympics will drive subscribers to go to to this particular streaming app. The the app itself. You can get it for free, but there's lots of different tiers that you can go into. You can you can get a $5 subscription. You can get a $10 ad-free premium subscription. And it's that premium subscription, actually, that you're going to need if you want to watch NBA, or, or not NBA, but Olympics men's basketball live. Um, so this is really a brand new world in terms of the Olympics that we're experiencing here, where so much live programming is being pushed to this Peacock stream app. Um, now that doesn't mean that you won't be able to watch a lot of the Olympics in a lot of different places. NBC is actually, I think, even as we speak, I think they're televising the uh, the opening ceremonies, and of course they'll be they'll be replayed tonight. Um, NBC has a slew of channels that will be offering a bunch of uh, of Olympics coverage. But really, when it comes to live coverage, you're absolutely right, Carmen. It seems like like the streaming app is going to be the way that people are going to have to watch.
0: Okay, so you made me click, and I'm now there. The Tokyo Olympics opening ceremony is live and underway. They're streaming, you know, it's the parade of athletes, right? Uh, streaming into the stadium, lighting the Olympic cauldron, all of these things, right? Opening ceremony uh, happening
2: it's, now. It's got to be so
0: strange
2: to see it, though. So that weird. Comment, what does it? <laughs> what, there's nobody in the stands, right?
0: It's so weird. Yeah. Let me <laughs> scroll back up and look at the picture. Yeah, no, there's nobody in the stands. Crazy. So what Crazy. they've done is they've only lit the, they've only lit, like it's all dark. It's happening at night. So it's all, everything is dark except for the floor, I guess is the way I would describe it. Cause it doesn't look like a field. It looks like a floor, it looks like a big ice rink. I don't know if it is, but that's what it looks like. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> Uh, they're all standing on it. There you go. That's my that's my radio summation of what's happening. Let's, um, you know, the Olympics. I don't know about you. Do you have do you have like memories of, of watching particular Olympic events that sort of made your heart rush forward?
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I remember back in, back when I was, uh, in college, actually, Flojo, Florence Griffiths Joyner, uh, running, uh, for the gold medal back in the day. That was, that was, I, I, I have so many memories, even as a little, little, little tiny kid, not caring at all about sports at all. I remember seeing, um, Nadia Comaneci actually on my absolutely. grandma's TV, uh, watching her do her, her perfect 10, uh, rendition in in gymnastics it was the first time that 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 someone had gotten perfect tens all the way across the board so yes the olympics are extraordinarily important to me
0: uh men's hockey when when the u.s men's hockey team beat russia
2: oh, yeah. absolutely
0: <laughs> is, is that like, one of the best right? moments
2: in american sports oh my goodness
0: right and, you and know, so in that in that time here's the thing Nobody felt guilty about about being proud about being an American and watching them skate around (laughs) with flags around their shoulders. Like, right. So this is a part of like what makes me sad about where we are as a culture. Can we still do that? Can we still be super proud of, I mean, I am, I'm going to be, I'm going to cheer like crazy. I don't even care what they're playing. I mean, there's this nutty thing now. Now now I'm going to reveal that I don't live in a part of the world where they have a lot of ice and those little brushes and they have those little teams where they send that, that, It's not really a ball. And now, see now, what is it called, Paul?
3: It's
2: curling stone. Yeah, this is stone. (laughs) My my kids did that for a while when we're living in Fargo. It's fun.
0: It's so it looks so fun, and I would cheer for them. I would be cheering for them if they were doing, and if the, the Americans were winning at that, I would be going bonkers. I'd be going crazy over it. So I want us to be free to cheer for our Olympic athletes during these Summer Olympics. I will just confess. I don't know all their names this time around, um, and I it's kind of like it's the wrong year for the Olympics and all of that. So just, you know, but I do think that we want to watch and we want to support and we want to celebrate. It's important. Yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think the the Olympics is actually one of those odd times, even to, in today's culture. That we are given permission to, to to cheer for the home team, to cheer for you know the 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 folks who are born and bred in, in in the nation that we love so much, right? So, I, and and there are some great great stories from across the world as well. There are lots of, of of athletes that I root from from different countries, but yeah, there's always a soft spot in my heart for for U.S. athletes. I'm 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 a homer by nature. I just can't help
0: it totally love it. Okay, so we have we have um a friend on the text line right now, a regular listener to the program, um part of you know, part of the community like goes and finds things for me when I say, "Hey, does anybody know about this game that this that this person's talking about?" Uh and she is um from Argentina but lives here in the United States and agrees with you that the most memorable moment in all of Olympic history was Nadia Comaneci uh getting that perfect 10. And then Another one and another one and another one. It's just um, that just it's extraordinary. Right. When you go back and you. Th- OK, Ted Lasso, I, I will just confess, I know. Just enough to be super dangerous on this topic, <laughs> but season two of Ted Lasso, I'm just going to I'm just going to tee it up that way. Season two of Ted Lasso, question mark.
2: <laughs> season two of Ted Lasso. I, I got to say, so I, I reviewed the, the, the first season of Ted Lasso. And, and as we do, because we have so much to cover, my initial review was was on that very first episode. There is a lot of swearing and a lot of issues with that show, right? That, that as a plugged-in reviewer, you just can't ignore. But I also watched it later. And as the show went on, it became what I think is one of the nicest, sweetest, kindest, gentlest, funniest shows on television. This is a really problematic show. Carmen, you might get me fired for for bringing this up because because it really does have a lot of issues. But in terms of its heart, I don't know if there's a quote-unquote better show on TV. It really elevates this idea of kindness and about treating people well. And that's something you very rarely see. Uh, from what I understand, I haven't cast my eyes on season two yet, but I believe that it's going to be in the same vein. So for for adults, be aware that there's tons of issues with this. There's lots and lots of language, but man, is it a sweet show. And and the fact that it got nominated for, for 20 Emmys, I believe, a record for a freshman uh, sitcom, um, I think a lot of those Emmys are probably deserved.
0: All right, we have um, we have someone saying, "Hey, you guys should do a list uh, reviewing all of the movies based on Olympic events." So that is a fun assignment for us. What comes um, immediately to mind? I would say for me, um, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, is Miracle on Ice is actually is that actually the name of a movie? Because that's what comes to my mind when I think about. Uh, the men's hockey team, and then wasn't there one about the Jamaican bobsled team? Jamaican bobsled team—that's cool running. Oh, I believe. and then chariots of fire would come; would be important, right? Oh, mm-hmm. chariots of fire! Yes, those are—we're going to do
2: actually, those are. The we're going to do a list. Team.
0: There you go. We're going <laughs> to—we're going to figure out. This seems like a good assignment for us. So, thank you. Um, to the person who raised that as a hey hey, this is something you guys should be talking about. I just love it. All right, Paul, we got to leave it right there. Thank you as always so much for joining us. That's Paul Ac. You can find him at focusonthefamiliespluggedin dot com. We'll be right back. All right, so. Um, I don't know what we're going to call this community of of engaged uh, individuals right now, Paul Perot. I think we're going to have to come up with a name for them. I think we're just going to have to call them the Carmination or something because they're awesome. I thought we did you that a while awesome. ago. Well, they're officially now the are they're, they're not listeners. They're they're like passionately engaged people who are a part of this event every day that we call Mornings with Carmen. And so, hats off. See, this is where I wish I knew everyone's name. 807 area code. Do I know where the 807 area code is, Paul? No, I, I don't. don't offhand either. I don't. See, this, this requires Googling. So um, uh, a member of the Carmen Nation in the 807 area code, or at least with a phone in the 807 area code. Uh, 807 area code. The, the research department is currently working. On, <laughs> uh, so, oh, it's in the Canadian province of uh, northwestern Ontario. Oh, Oh, goodness. They're going to be waving a maple leaf flag. I don't now see. I don't know. Now I'm conflicted because they're (laughs) going to be rooting against they're rooting against me in the Olympics. But they're with me in the Carmen Nation. So there you go. Um, That is super exciting. Yes. And this Chariots of Fire theme music is for you because I, I didn't know when you challenged me on our text line to do my best impression of the Chariots of Fire theme um, uh, th- uh, yeah, I didn't know how I was going to do that. But Paul stepped up to the plate and brings us the Chariots of Fire theme music. And at uh, no also, time did my fingers leave my hands in getting it. <laughs> tons of people uh, texting in, which you can always text me during the show. Remember, 877-933-2484. Um, tons of people texting in all kinds of movies that they wish, uh, it, that have Olympic themes, that they wish that we had talked about. Uh, movies that they wish had been made. With uh, Olympic themes one even a connection to the Ted Lasso story which I see these are people that are really like astute and know what they're doing and know what they're watching there's a movie out there called race Uh, let's see story of one of the greatest triumphs of the history of the games and it has some connection to the Ted Lasso story because there's a coach in it that is like related to both of those stories So there you go lots of movies um with um ice skating and 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 one of them at least you know you could talk about like human depravity right and that would be that story remember um i tanya yeah Mm -hmm. see there's just all kinds of opportunities right to have all kinds of conversations obviously cool runnings chariots of fire those are really great um fox catcher uh is one that that folks have lifted up um yeah so we got uh, all kinds of things to talk about all right uh what am i doing next what am I doing next? Uh, is, uh, Dean talking and Sarah? to Dean and Sarah. Yeah, oh yeah, he's, he's waiting. waiting in the wings. He's a great, he is a great guy, pastor and author. We're going to talk about getting over yourself. That's up yeah. next here on Mornings with Carmen.
1: This is Max Locato. No moment, event, or detail falls outside of God's supervision. God is the one who causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. He isn't making up this plan as he goes along. Daniel 5, 21 says, The Most High God rules the kingdom of men and sets over it whom he will. So, if God is in charge, why does he permit challenges to come our way? Wouldn't an almighty God prevent them? Not if they serve his higher purpose. The ultimate example is the death of Christ on the cross. Everyone thought the life of Jesus was over. Jesus was dead and buried, but God raised him from the dead. God took the crucifixion of Friday and turned it into the celebration of Sunday. Can he not do a similar reversal for you? This is Max Locato.
0: Joining me now, Dean and Sarah, one of my uh, favorite authors, because I just think he just gets right to it. So we are going to talk today about his brand new book, Getting Over Yourself. So the question uh, before us is whether or not we are really, frankly, just in sort of a pop Christianity, um, get it all for me, self-purpose driven Christian life, or whether or not we are actually gospel centric, driving the kingdom forward Christians. All right, Dean, welcome back.
3: Hey, it's good to be back. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. We want to trade in uh, believe in yourself Christianity for real Christianity. The book is Get Over Yourself Trading, quote, Believe in Yourself Christianity. Um, we're, so what is believe in myself Christianity or believe in yourself Christianity? And I would say, let me put it this way. How do I trade that in for Christ-centered Christianity, which is um, the subtitle?
3: Well, when you hear about the prosperity gospel, we think of somebody on TV telling you God's going to get you out of debt and He's going to heal your disease if you have enough faith and call the number at the bottom of the screen. I call that the old prosperity gospel. Yes, it still exists, but it's it's older. Uh, the new prosperity gospel is this whole idea of a self-centered Christianity, and the new prosperity gospel is more subtle. It's not cheesy. It's hip. It's trendy. It's savvy. It's attractive. And it's it has an Instagram. Yeah, it's big on Instagram. I actually (laughs) call it the Instagramification of the faith. And it's that God wants to make your dreams come true, that there's this deep potential inside of you that he wants to unlock uh, for you to go basically live your best life and be happy. Uh, So this whole idea of the faith now is that Jesus wants to make you great and wants to allow you to accomplish these amazing things. But it's all defined by things of this world, uh, not necessarily great commission things, uh, but you getting the internship you wanted if you're younger, or you having the perfect marriage, or you basically just being happy. And it is so prevalent across what we would call just pop Christianity right now across America. A lot of people are missing it, don't even realize it's happening right in front of them.
0: So it's been um a while back but we had Professor Carl Truman on to talk about um his book The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self and it's all about uh expressive individualism and and as I was reading your book I'm thinking to myself so um what Dean has written is like the everyday person's um version of Carl Truman's like super smarty pants Uh, I had to have a thesaurus and a dictionary out to read it book. And so I so appreciate, well, I love the way you write because you write for people who just need it put in a really straightforward way um, with really winsome um, you have a really winsome approach, so let me just compliment you there in saying oh, thank
3: that. Thank you. No, I appreciate that. You,
0: you, you're able to talk about the gospel of self-purpose or this expressive individualism or this pop Christianity or this prosperity gospel or this Instagrammable version of the faith, and you're able to do so in in a way that, like, lets me look at my own desires, behavior, thoughts, and and have that, like, reflective moment— um, because you're not always like finger pointing and saying, hey, this is all these bad people out here doing all these bad things. Like you're helping us see what is so attractive in believing lies.
3: And, and they're I appreciate that. And they're right in front of us. And I think the biggest thing we're doing right now that we're seeing is happen all over the place is we're using this sort of logic of the world. You know, live your best life. Do whatever makes you happy. You be a better you. The best is yet to come. Discover your destiny but we're sprinkling God, faith, and Bible language on top of it. And therefore, totally. it sounds Christian and it sounds okay because we're using enough Christian lingo mixed in there to kind of justify really our approach of making ourselves greater. And, and the question is, did is, is it that he must increase and I must decrease, or is it not? <laughs> you know, like it, it can't be kind of both. And in the new, the new prosperity gospel, people are fine with Jesus increasing. They'll say amen to that as long as we get to increase with him. It's like, yeah, yeah, God can be great, but I want to be too. Like, bring me along with you and make me great. And they're not going to use that exact language because no one would actually admit that. But functionally, that's what's happening.
0: No, that is totally functionally what is happening. Um, And you get right to the point. You also um, help us see ourselves. You help us see the aspects of the true gospel message um, that have gotten sort of lost or covered up or buried along the way in pop Christianity. Maybe— Uh, Maybe let's go this direction. Let's take a very brief break. When Dean and I come back, um, we're going to talk about uh, it's really common to believe that God wants what's best for us. And so we're going to ask, like, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with asking God for great things, expecting them to happen? Um, And then where's that line between that and this sort of rebranded pop Christianity? Um, that really is the, uh, the prosperity gospel we're dealing with, or not dealing with, today. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right, if you've never read The Unsaved Christian, that is the place to start. And then you're going to want to read the follow-up, Get Over Yourself. It's the book that Dean and Sarah and I are talking about right now. He is the author of both, but let me recommend... You read The Unsaved Christian, and then you read Getting Over Yourself, Trading, Believe in Yourself Religion for Christ-Centered Christianity. One talks about what I would describe as an evangelism crisis, and then this book talks about what we will describe as a discipleship crisis. Um, Dean, what I want to go dive into here is, like, it seems like the only sin that's left out there is that I would be content and peaceful and living a quiet life. Like, that's the only sin left uh, out there. And that's just wrong. That's just a perversion of the gospel.
3: Yeah, and you mentioned the discipleship crisis, and I think where we're headed is towards chronic discontentment uh, because mm. of this new prosperity gospel. And one of the biggest—I would say if there was like a curse word in the new prosperity gospel, it would be the word settle. Like with, That's like almost like the unthinkable thing that you settle, and that applies to your marriage, that applies to your job. That applies to the city you live in. Like, you don't want to settle, they'll tell you, for less than God's best. So we've, we, have, we have these Christian people who are questioning their decisions on their marriage, all these type of things, because they're thinking, oh, maybe there's something better out there for me. It's almost like a cooler version of the grass is greener, and, and it's really crept in and being encouraged. Again, they're not going to tell you things like leave your spouse, obviously, but the message that's being implied is that there's anything in your life, anything in the way that's keeping you uh, from living your best life, from living God's best for you, from achieving your destiny, whatever that even means— they're saying, knock those obstacles out of the way and go pursue that. And I'm in my own town and seeing people that are separating from their spouses that are you know just all, all the time discontent because they're seeking out this for this thing that they think God has for them that he never actually promises. So I'm really worried for a generation that's holding God to promises he's never actually made. And we have to really talk about it. And that's why I wrote this book, because so I'm really concerned about what I'm seeing.
0: Are you holding God to promises that he never actually made. That is a great question to ask ourselves. Um, Dean and Sarah is my guest. We are talking about and giving away, dun-dun-dun, giving away um, copies of his brand new book, Getting Over Yourself, Trading Believe in Yourself Religion for Christ-Centered Christianity. You know the drill. Text the word book to eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. 933 Dean, so I think there's people asking the question right now. You know, this is a fine conversation for people like Dean and Carmen to be having, because after all, they have these, quote, unquote, platforms. They, you know, they are, quote, unquote, influencers. They are making money off of, uh, of being, you know, quote, unquote, Christian professionals. Um, so what's wrong with me getting what Dean and Carmen have?
3: Well, the answer is nothing. Uh, the, the question is, what is the goal of the faith And what's happening, nothing's wrong with pursuing something, nothing's wrong with wanting to achieve something, uh, but the issue is when we believe that God owes us that, or that is the foundation of Christianity. And here's what really worries me, is that people are starting to live a faith and present a faith where the cross and resurrection aren't necessary for that version of Christianity to be lived. Uh, It's more just that God is this motivator, this life coach, kind of giving you an inspirational TED Talk. Uh, in the form of a cool preacher on Sunday morning, and then sending you on your way to have a motivational Monday and go seize the week. You know, that, that kind of idea. So I don't think that God's anti-ambition by any means, but there really it can be a fine line between a godly ambition and a selfish ambition. So you mentioned the, the two of us and the things that the Lord lets us do. We have to constantly be on guard when it comes to our own hearts about if we're really trying to go forward with the Great Commission and, and, and through, you know, discipleship and ministry, or if we're really trying to elevate ourselves. And that's just a constant discipleship reflection uh, that we have to make and all people have to make, uh, because it's so easy to think you're doing it for the Lord when really you're just doing it for yourself. And I think it goes back to the fact of what does contentment look like? Could you live an ordinary life uh, working an ordinary job with an ordinary family? And the, and the reality is that's most of us. You know, most of us aren't living these extravagant lives. We're day-to-day in the mundane of life, but that's actually where disciples are made. And I don't know where we got to the point where that's considered bad. And I never want to preach a gospel that would be unrecognizable to Christians being persecuted in a closed country to the gospel. You know, like like what would our brothers and sisters in North Korea who who have been jailed and beaten for their faith? Like, what would they think about this messaging? I mean, they would probably slap us, <laughs> you know, thinking that, that that this is what Christianity is—this pursuit of the American dream. And I just think we have to really reflect and go, what are we doing? What are we listening to? What's this hyperbind into? And actually believe that God is the greatest blessing.
0: If the gospel would be unrecognizable to a brother and sister in Christ in China or in North Korea or in some other part of the world um, where Christians are actively persecuted um, for living the faith, if, if the gospel that you are aspiring to or imagining or currently believing in would be unrecognizable to them, then what you are currently believing is not the gospel. I mean, I think yeah, that's yeah. that gets down to the nut of it.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I want to get to the point in my life. And this is a discipleship journey for me, and I think for all Christians. And I think this is the remedy to the new prosperity gospel. And I flush out in the books like, exactly how, how what this looks like. Uh, but I, I think it's where we get to the point where we actually believe that the, the greatest blessing God gives us is himself.
1: Mm-hmm. And then we
3: think that's amazing. But, like We think totally. that is that is what... You know life is about that, our, that as in a relationship with God through Christ, like through, through jesus death and resurrection and death that we deserved in our place for our sins, that makes us right with God, it reconciles us to him, it adopts us into his family, and that that actually is the greatest blessing of God and in this new prosperity gospel it 's hard to actually believe that it 's hard to really think that is enough and i 'm not saying they don 't believe the gospel that 's why i don 't call it an evangelism crisis, I call it a discipleship crisis i 'm saying they've just gone down this path. Uh, Where everything's so done in the name of pragmatism, you know, in the name of a brand and in the name of marketing and all these type of things that it it has made it where it's hard to really believe that this really is about our great salvation and following Jesus, when really it's more about expanding ourselves. And that's not Christianity.
0: Hmm. Um, Dean, as always, it's so good to talk with you. Um, We want to be praying for you and other pastors. Maybe just invite um, everybody that's listening right now. What's one specific way we could be praying for pastors this weekend?
3: I think for unity in churches. Mm -hmm. I I think it's really significant right now. That's not some kind of just cliche type of thing. Jesus prayed for that. Uh, But what's, what's happening right now from the onslaught of the radical right to the onslaught of the radical left it's all creeping into churches where there's so much division happening over extra biblical matters where cable news is discipling people more than the scriptures, more than Christian radio. Uh, and we're really seeing the effects of it on both sides. Uh, and it's really starting to to wear pastors down because a lot of pastors just don't know what to do.
0: Um, let's, we're going to pray for Dean and, and along well, as we're praying for Dean, we're going to pray for other pastors like him. Father, thank you um, so much for our brothers in Christ who, uh, to whom you have placed this responsibility as shepherds under the good shepherd Jesus. And um, as they shepherd their flocks across the country and around the world this weekend, in the coming days and weeks, months and years ahead, Father, make them, uh, grant them all the grace that's sufficient for the calling. uh, Endow them with every spiritual blessing under heaven. These are promises that you have made in Scripture. But Father, also strengthen them by bringing around them men and women who can be of good encouragement counsel um, and helping them do what you have called them uniquely to do as our pastors. Um, And thank you, Father, in advance for answering this prayer that we just know is aligned with your spirit uh, as it seeks to build up the church in the world today, all to the glory of Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Dean, um, thank, you. thank you as always so much for joining us. The book is Getting Over Yourself, Trading Believe in Yourself Religion for Christ-Centered Christianity. We do have copies to give away. Text the word book to 877 933 Dean and Sarah, I hope you'll come back.
3: Absolutely. Thanks for having me and thanks for praying.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We'll be right back. All right. For those of you who want to hear what Dean had to say again, Paul Perot very faithfully reposts the show later in the day. So you can check it out on the Faith Radio app where you can listen on demand. You can check it out at myfaithradio.com on the Mornings with Carmen page. Uh, And so if you missed something and you wanted to take notes on it, that's a great way to go back and get it as well. Um, So, and you know, the book is great and you can text the word book to 877-933-2484 and enter the drawing for the copies we're giving away today. All right. That's all we got time for. Have a great day. God bless.